Welcome to episode 263 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about Javier Mille and saving America. Please support the show by visiting truthquestshirtfactory.com, where we produce shirts with thought-provoking messages inspired by TruthQuest podcast episodes. This episode inspired the shirt with Taxation is Theft. Check it out. $30 and free shipping. I recently watched Tucker Carlson's interview with the likely future Argentina president, Javier Mille. I am officially obsessed with this guy. His articulation of the libertarian position was damn near perfect. I thought I was listening to Harry Brown or Ron Paul or Dave Smith or Tom Woods. In the interview, he explained the non-aggression principle. He attacked abortion from a philosophical perspective, then from a scientific perspective, and then from a mathematical perspective. Who does that? He bashed Pope Francis for supporting murderous evil dictators. He savaged the use of the term social justice. He stated the obvious but rarely stated fact that everything the government touches turns to shit. He clearly contrasted a freedom and liberty agenda versus communism and socialism. He explained that if elected, Argentina would not do business with communists, specifically China and Russia, but the Argentinian people, being free people, could do so if they wish because he's not a dictator. It was a glorious interview. See the show notes page for a link to the interview. A couple days later, I read an article at Mises.org titled, Javier Mille's Populist Strategy in Argentina is Working. It was by a guy named Philip Bagus. I couldn't resist bringing it to you along with some of my own thoughts. Bagus writes, Javier Mille is making a splash on all sides because on August 13th, 2023, he won the primaries for the presidency in Argentina. In the German media, he is described as ultra-right and ultra-libertarian. Recently, the Financial Times dealt with the self-confessed anarcho-capitalist in a column in which the author insinuated that the libertarian Mille would follow the strategy of right-wing populist designed by Murray Rothbard in 1992. This gives rise to the question if that claim is true and what exactly is this right-wing populism? Bagus goes on to walk the reader through a Murray Rothbard article in the Rothbard Rockwell Report entitled Right-Wing Populism, a Strategy for the Paleo Movement. As he explains, Rothbard's contribution was groundbreaking and forward-looking. He anticipates the successes of Donald Trump in the United States and more recently of Javier Mille in Argentina. I'm going to walk you through Rothbard's eight-step program of right-wing populism. Along the way, I will present Bagus's linking of each point to Mille, as well as point out how each step could and should be applied to America, thus the title Saving America. After that, I will present a few of my own ideas that could help save America from itself. Rothbard's first point is radical tax cuts. Bagus says Mille wants to radically reduce taxes. He never tires of calling taxes what they are, theft. Anyone who has read any libertarian literature has heard the phrase, taxation is theft. This is the idea that your money is your own money, not the government's. You should keep the fruits of your labor. The government should be small and thus require very few of your dollars via taxes. The government does not create anything. It is a net drag on the economy via regulations and the siphoning of other people's money into the public coffers to be wasted rather than deployed by private citizens in a manner that they see fit, i.e. free market capitalism. The taking of one's property without consent is the very definition of stealing. 
Stealing is done by thieves, which simply makes government-endorsed taxation no different than any other property confiscation without consent. The second part of that truth, that taxation is theft, is inflation is a hidden tax. Therefore, inflation is theft as well. In the case of Miele's country of Argentina, they defaulted on their debt years ago and have been suffering under the ravages of hyperinflation ever since. Inflation hits the poor most severely simply because they have less margin in their household budget to deal with rising prices. So any politician who claims to be fighting for the little guy, who also endorses more and more government spending via printing and monetizing of debt, is a piece of shit at best and a liar at worst. The United States is well on its way to hyperinflation and the loss of a globally dominant currency. Currently, the average American family is spending somewhere in the neighborhood of $700 a month more than they were just two years ago. That's just on essentials, food, housing, utilities. Imagine how the poor in America are dealing with price inflation. The federal government has printed 40% of the nation's entire money supply in the last four years. It started with Trump's COVID spending, paying people not to work. Then Biden, with the help of Kevin McCarthy, removed the debt ceiling and the printing press just keeps on trucking along. Check out episode 211, The Truth About Inflation in Under 15 Minutes, Soup, Bread, and Rockets for a deep dive into that topic. Along those same lines, another one of Rothbard's eight points is the abolishment of the Federal Reserve. Bagus writes, quote, Mille wants to abolish the Central Bank of Argentina. Using right-wing populist rhetoric, he aims to physically blow up the Central Bank. In doing so, he would wipe out the power of one of the most inflationary central banks, which willingly financed all Peronist and Kirchnerist spending programs. Those are references to two former presidents of Argentina and the subsequent political movements derived from them, which apparently drove the country into the ground. Let's tie a bow on the inflation conversation we just had. Inflation, by definition, is the increase in the money supply. Who inflates the money supply? The Federal Reserve. Suffice it to say, the Fed is unconstitutional and should be abolished. It is responsible for the generation high inflation we are currently experiencing here in 2023. Under its 110-year reign of terror, the dollar has lost over 90% of its purchasing power. So why do we put up with it? The Constitution clearly states what money is, and it ain't what comes off the printing press. I've spent a lot of time discussing the Federal Reserve. I'll let those episodes do the talking for those of you who are interested in a deep dive. Check out episodes 27, 28, and 224. I'm going to combine Rothbard's next two points, radical reduction of the welfare state and getting the bums out. Bagus writes, he, Mille, also wants to radically grind down the welfare state and likes to illustrate the reduction in government spending and his proposal of reducing Argentinian ministries from 18 to 8 with a chainsaw. His chainsaw plan is intended to radically trim the state. Mille has said, quote, those who refuse to work are no longer supported by the state in his Argentina, end quote. Two things to discuss here. Number one, entitlement programs are the largest expenditure of the federal government in the United States, even more than military spending, if I'm not mistaken. The two expenditures combined are known as guns and butter. Both are fraught with waste, fraud, and abuse, but our politicians are bought and paid for by the military-industrial complex, and very few have the intestinal fortitude to challenge the welfare state. Entitlement programs make people dependent on the government, which makes them unproductive and beholden to whatever political party offers them the most goodies, or which party scares them into believing that the other is going to take those away. 
In the end, it is a very evil and sinister manipulation of the electorate. There are hundreds of thousands of people, maybe even millions, receiving federal disability benefits. You know what I thought about? Instead of hiring 87,000 new IRS agents so they can harass everyone who receives payments via Zelle or the Cash App or Venmo, how about you hire 87,000 investigators to work through the disability roles? See who needs to go to jail for defrauding the government. We need people working productively in the economy, not sitting on their ass collecting a government check. Able-bodied people should not be eligible for any type of long-term welfare benefits, nor should the lazy among us. Like Oliver Anthony says in his song, Richmond North of Richmond, quote, Well, God, if you're five foot three and you're 300 pounds, taxes ought not pay for your bag of fudge rounds. Number two, entitlement programs are not a power granted in the Constitution to the federal government. Therefore, they should be abolished and defunded immediately. This leads us to Millet's chainsaw plan of reducing the Argentinian government agencies, ministries, they call ministries, from 18 to 8. May we in the United States be that lucky. We have thousands of unconstitutional federal agencies. I, I wish we had 18. In fact, much like the erosion of 90% of the purchasing power of our dollar, some 90% of our federal agencies and programs are unconstitutional and should be abolished and defunded immediately. Screw the chainsaw plan. We need a garbage disposal plan. Rothbard's next point is an interesting one. He calls it abolition of privileges for protected minorities. Bagus writes, Millet repeatedly speaks of equality before the law as a fundamental liberal principle and wants to abolish privileges for minorities. As a result, he repeatedly clashes with radical feminists who defend legal privileges for women. End quote. Let's be honest. America is currently a country run by the tyranny of minorities. We have a handful of protected minority groups who are shoving their destructive agenda, their disgusting morals, and their godless desires down the throats of the normals who just want to live their life and be left the hell alone. But no, that's not good enough for these protected minorities. Not only must we acknowledge them, we must affirm their ideas. We must not provide any opposition or criticize them in any way. None of that is enough, though. We must celebrate them. Remember, silence is violence. If you don't celebrate them, you are the recipient of endless ad hominem attacks. Like we discussed in the last episode about logical fallacies, episode 262, the truth about bullshit arguments. These people are like a toddler throwing a tantrum. They just yell at you and call you names, refusing to listen because their agenda and their policy prescriptions are indefensible. This manifests itself in the dual justice system, whereby rioters, looters, arsonists, and murderers, a very small minority of the population, who rampage through several large democratically run blue cities during the summer of love in 2020, never get arrested, charged, or sentenced to prison for their crimes. Same with the rioters in Washington, D.C. prior to Trump's inauguration in January 2017. But the January 6th trespassers, Trump, and anyone associated with them get the book thrown at them. And heaven forbid if you're a pro-life protester outside a abortion clinic, oh, you're going to prison too. That's America. That's tin pot dictatorship. It also manifests itself in a fractional minority or oligarchical families who hold high office, who accept bribes from foreign countries, lobbyists, corporations, and wealthy individuals in return for favors. 
These same oligarchical families are willing to sacrifice their offspring, sending their crack and sex-addicted son into dozens of situations where he is exposed to more money than he could ever imagine, with which he used to purchase prostitutes and more drugs. He then decided it would be a good idea to record his activities with said prostitutes using said drugs and save the videos on his laptop, which we were told by 51 disgraced former intelligence officials that it was Russian disinformation. This also goes for the microbial minority of people who advocate for and facilitate the mutilation of minors who suffer from a mental illness known as gender dysphoria. Those who pursue this mutilation and so-called transition without parental consent are evil at best, satanic at worst. They belong in prison. This same group of people tell us to ignore biology. They tell us that there is an endless number of genders to which we can identify with, and they can't define what a woman is. The normals are expected to celebrate this clear example of mental illness. The same minority or a subset of it wants boys and men to compete with, shower with, share bathrooms with girls and women. And again, the normals are left having to acknowledge, affirm, and celebrate this immoral, godless practice. No thank you. Next up on Rothbard's list is crushing criminals. Bagus writes, quote, The imprisonment of criminals is also on Mille's agenda. Gun freedom is on his program so that victims can defend themselves against criminals, end quote. To the normals, this is a no-brainer. Just enforce the damn laws that are already on the books. But we have a federal government that leaves the southern border open and welcomes lawbreakers into the country, and we have lawlessness permitted in blue cities like Seattle, San Francisco, Detroit, Portland, Oakland, St. Louis, New York City, Chicago, Los Angeles, all by mentally ill liberal prosecutors and DAs. This is a subset of the plank we just reviewed, abolition of privileges for protected minorities. The Democratic Party, both at the national and local level, have made the criminal class a protected minority despite the fact that it has been documented time and time again in study after study that the majority of crime is committed by a very small minority of people. Lock those bitches up and life for everyone else gets better. It's pretty simple. This is where the defund the police movement comes from, these mentally ill democratic leaders. Another part of this plank is the God-given natural right to self-protection and self-defense. The government has no right to weigh in on that right. The Second Amendment of the Constitution does not grant you the right to bear arms. It is an acknowledgment of this God-given right and an admonishment and restriction on the federal government against infringing on that God-given right. Next up on Rothbard's list is America First, or in his case, an anti-globalist and isolationist platform. Bagus writes, Mille also puts his own country first, Argentina first. Mille likes to point out that Argentina was one of the richest countries in the world at the beginning of the 20th century thanks to classical liberal policies and was destroyed by socialism in the 20th century. Sounds like the current takedown of the United States. Bagus continues, quote, In 35 years, Mille promises Argentina can be a superpower again. The prerequisite for this to happen is a return to libertarianism, end quote. When the left criticizes MAGA, Make America Great Again, they are revealing their Marxist, fascist, communist, socialist leanings. They hate what America stands for, liberty and freedom. They are totalitarians who want to run your life. And when I say run your life, I mean they want to tell you what to do, what to eat, what you can buy, what you can say, how to think, how to raise your children, who to praise and celebrate. 
They want to dictate what car you drive or if you can drive a car at all. They want to dictate what power sources drive your stove, your washing machine, your HVAC unit. They want to dictate what light bulbs you can buy, how much water pressure comes out of your shower head, how the gas you put in your vehicle is formulated. It's endless and it's all unconstitutional. An America First agenda includes cutting foreign aid, killing all green energy subsidies, and most military adventures. We do not need hundreds of military bases all over the planet. We are not the world's policemen. We are going bankrupt. Rothbard's next point is defending traditional family values. Bagus writes, Millet also defends traditional family values and opposes the state takeover of family responsibilities. The vehement opponent of abortion has defended the right to life several times in debates with radical feminists, end quote. Millet is very familiar with fascism, communism, and socialism. One of the primary planks in the Communist Manifesto is the importance of breaking down the traditional family. The commies have been very successful in reaching that goal in the United States over the last 60 to 65 years. They do it through the degradation of the culture. They do it through welfare programs that reinforce single-parent households. They do it through a criminal justice system that allows rampant crime in parts of the country, leading to an average of a dozen murders every weekend in places like Chicago. Look what the welfare system has done to the black community, with over 70% of black children being raised in single-parent homes, mostly single mothers. The statistics aren't much better in other communities. The cultural rot has been a long time coming. The commies have been very successful. For those of you who are new to this line of thinking, I know a question is bouncing around inside your head. Why would people purposely advocate for such an obviously destructive policy? Well, you know how the first of the Ten Commandments is, you shall have no other God before me? Well, the people we are dealing with don't worship big G God. They worship a bunch of little G gods in direct opposition of the first commandment. These people are atheists at best and anti-God or Satan worshipers at worst. To them, there can be no little g-gods before the state, before the government. You must worship the government, and if you do not, you are a blasphemer. I want to briefly touch on the pro-life position here. I've produced several episodes on abortion. They include episode 2, 33, and then episode 86. I encourage you to listen to those if you're interested, but I'll sum up the position in the context of this discussion this way. Pro-life is where all of this begins. We can be talking about innocent babies in the womb being murdered or black teenagers in Chicago being gunned down by the scores every year. If the cornerstone of our country is life, liberty, and property, or the pursuit of happiness, if you prefer, without life, there's nothing. There's nothing more important to protect than life. Here is a description of Millet's stance that I absolutely love. Bagus writes, quote, in keeping with Rothbard's strategy of right-wing populism, he clearly names the profiteers of the state apparatus. He rails again and again against this cast of politicians and bureaucrats. He calls them parasites that live at the expense of the hardworking and decent citizens. Politicians are completely useless and could not live without the productive Argentinians. Politics is not the solution but the problem, and politicians form part of the problem. In this way, Millet wins over those decent Argentinians who suffer most from the yoke of the state. Equally clear are his remarks on the concept of social justice. He called social justice a monstrous injustice because it means unequal treatment of people before the law. It's a big fig leaf for envy and resentment. Man, I hope this guy wins the presidency and turns that country around. 
By way of conclusion, I want to add a few of my own thoughts to Rothbard's eight-step program to right-wing populism or how to save America. Number one, reform the legal system. We touched on this briefly in our earlier crushing criminals discussion, but there's more to it. The United States needs to adopt the loser pays approach that Britain has when it comes to lawsuits. If you're going to sue someone and you lose, you pay their legal bills and you pay for his time that you wasted preparing for and attending the trial. We need fewer lawyers in America. Along these same lines, legislatures need to aggressively impeach and fire district attorneys and attorneys generals who ignore the law or refuse to enforce it. That's their damn job. If you don't do your job, you lose your job. That's how the world works. Congress must do the same in Washington. The dual justice system, one for well-connected Democrats and one for everybody else, is a mockery. The indictments against Trump is nothing more than tin-pot dictator bullshit. Secondly, the border. We need to end any and all subsidies and welfare payments to illegal immigrants. And it goes without saying, we need to enforce the border. How insane is it that we leave the border open and we pay the people when they come into the country illegally? That all may seem obvious, but without a border, we have no country. But the Democrats want to import as many illegals as possible so when they control government again, they can grant them amnesty and citizenship and voting rights. In the meantime, they are giving them subsidies and payouts and transportation and housing way in excess of what American welfare recipients receive, all in order to buy their votes in the future since they have alienated 60% of the native electorate. They need voters who come from places without constitutionally protected rights like freedom of speech and freedom of the press and the right to self-defense. So when they take those rights away in the future, they won't know that complaining is an option. By the way, Border enforcement is not a power granted to the federal government in the Constitution. The Border Patrol should be abolished with its officers transferred to agencies within the states that then enforce the border. Perhaps the states could create a deportation agency and start hunting down the millions of illegals and send them home. Remember our discussion earlier about the 87,000 IRS agents? And I suggested, hey, why don't we just use them to investigate welfare fraud? Well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to back off on that. Let's split the difference. 43,000 investigators into welfare fraud and 44,000 deportation officers. One spends its day searching for welfare cheats. The other spends its days looking for illegal immigrants and sending them home. Circling back to my statement about border enforcement not being a federal government task, I realize that sounds crazy to many of you. I encourage you to read Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, where it lays out the powers granted to the federal government by the states who created the federal government. Border enforcement or immigration is not one of those powers. However, naturalization is. So you see how the scam is playing out? The feds take over border enforcement from the states unconstitutionally. They permit millions to stream into the country. And then at the earliest possible opportunity, they will grant them citizenship, which is constitutional. My third idea of how to save America is to repeal the 17th Amendment. The Constitution dictates that senators are appointed by their individual state legislatures. The 17th Amendment changed that, so they are elected via popular vote. Now, 90% of the Senate is bought and paid for by Big Pharma, Big Tech, foreign countries, and other large corporations and lobbyists. If the state legislature had the power to recall a senator, they would behave better and actually vote in a manner that is in the best interest of their state rather than their own pocketbook. 
My fourth way to save America is something I discussed earlier, but I want to reiterate it, and that's my garbage disposal tactic. We need to abolish 90% of the federal government agencies and programs. That's the percentage that exists without constitutional authorization. Number five, no more pork-infused omnibus spending bills. Only single-subject individual appropriation bills should be debated in Congress. Sixth, I would also like to see the subject of a line-item veto debated. Seventh, term limits for members of Congress and a ban against becoming a lobbyist or foreign agent of any kind after leaving office. Washington, D.C. should be a temporary home for these people. They shouldn't even be purchasing homes in the area. Congress should just rent apartments for its members and limit their time in the city to just when they're in session. Otherwise, go home and talk to your constituents. Finally, if all else fails, if Washington, D.C. fails to correct its course, the only other option to save America from herself is mass state secession, or at the very least, mass nullification by the states. If you're interested in either of those topics, check out episode 23, The Truth About Nullification, and I have several episodes about secession. Episode 87, 88, 128, and 192. And that's the truth about Javier Mille and saving America. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, share episodes with your friends, and please support the show by visiting truthquestshirtfactory.com. Check out the shirt inspired by this episode, Taxation is Theft. Remember, all shirts are $30 with free shipping.